Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Over the last few days, people have been asking me what on earth's happening with Brexit. Some of my friends are going to the toilets to cry because, you know, they've answered another call to a death threat. We know across the board, or we can see it, that, that Brexit's causing sort of mental health crisis. I know of three MPs whose partners are dying. They daily have to make the decision whether they're going to go home to see them or whether they're going to hang around for a vote that may never happen. Some people are falling out with each other. I'm desperately trying hard not to. I don't think any of us anticipated a time where it would be quite so chaotic. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics podcast from The Times. I'm Matt Chorley. On day two of our special week of episodes, try to give you the fullest picture of what is and isn't happening with Brexit. I'm in Parliament. I'm not supposed to be here. No one is. It was supposed to be recess with MPs, staffers, officials and yes, even journalists given a break from the madhouse. Instead, we are all still here and the current mood is not great. Nobody even knows why they're here. There are no big votes planned, no breakthrough in sight. The talks between Labour and the government supposedly continue. Downing Street overnight saying that ministers and their Labour counterparts will be holding more talks today. Theresa May is off to Berlin and Paris to try and persuade Angela Merkel and Emmanuel Macron not to force Britain out of the EU this Friday. But back in Parliament, MPs are tired, angry, dividing their time between deleting death threats, missing their families and eating and drinking too much. Now, I know no one will feel sorry for them, but in this episode I'm going to try to paint a picture of what it's like to be an MP, Tory, Labour and SNP, Leaver or Remainer. What's it like to be an MP right now in a place where friendships are being tested, tears are being shed, the roof is leaking and the tea room is ordering in more chocolate just to cope with demand. I'll also speak to two MPs who think mindfulness is the answer and growing numbers of their colleagues agree. This is the Houses of Parliament in April 2019. Status update, grim and worsening. So I just bumped into Chris Bryant, um, Labour MP, just on the, the corridor down the side of the um, House of Commons. Chris, describe the mood. Well, it feels as if we're under siege, really, because we've been, apart from anything else, the, the, the weekly whip used to tell you when you could go away as much as when you had to be here for a vote. And now it just says you're on a permanent one, or a three-line whip forever, and votes may go on until any day, oh, and the business might change at any moment. You never get home if you've got childcare responsibilities. I know three MPs whose partners are dying. They daily have to make the decision whether they're going to go home to see them um, or whether they're going to hang around for a vote that may never happen. I mean, that's grim, isn't it? I mean, it, it does feel like the mood is grim. I've recently had a medical thing of my own, and so it's a difficult melanoma thing, and it's difficult organising to have an appointment, you know, vital, really important appointment when you don't know whether you're going to have to be in Parliament and you don't want to mess around the medical services. 
uh, lots of us are using, you know, normally you'd use your GP in your constituency. When I went to see the GP service that they provide here for MPs, he said to me, I normally see three MPs a month. I've seen 12 this week. Wow. And is that just because uh, MPs are not seeing their local GP, or is it also because he's having an impact on MPs' health, do you think? Well, I tried to go for a run a couple of times a week. I'm I'm only managing it once a week at the moment because there's all these endless, tiny little meetings of, well, what's our little group going to (laughs) decide? You know, and you go from one meeting to the next meeting and then to the next meeting. I feel quite chipper because basically I don't think I'm going to die of cancer this month, which is what I thought a couple of months ago. But I think that, you know, people are eating more and drinking more, stuck in this building, um, taking less exercise, people sleep less endless emails with far too many capital letters social media being horrible you know one one colleague's been murdered another colleague has had a plot unveiled to murder um, this weekend one MP had his house daubed another had the off- her office windows smashed we've all got panic alarms in our houses lovely charming anybody fancy the job well that, that's the point isn't it is it the the impact this is having not just on people who are currently MPs but anyone who might ever have thought they might want to become an MP yeah, maybe. But at the same time, it feels an extraordinary uh, moment of responsibility to be here. And so anyone listening to this who thinks, well, is this going to be the big week? Is something going to happen this week? When's the end in sight? A bit like the weekly whip. Business may be subject to a change at <laughs> any moment, as can my predictions. George Freeman, Tory MP. Um You've just approached me and told me you're feeling quite chippy. You know, I think in this game you have to find some way of carrying on. And the personal and the political go together. Uh, Last week I had a brilliant week, launched a wonderful charity in honour of my late dad, giving people who've had a life collapse a second chance. And, you know, there are good things going on. There's 40 of us writing a book about renewal post-Brexit. This place is full of great people, full of ideas. It's just Brexit's like the cork in the champagne bottle, and we've somehow got to ease it. How are your colleagues doing? I've never known this place feel the pressure now. I wouldn't expect the public to have any sympathy. They're still livid from expenses and Iraq and all the various other things that have triggered such anger. But all I can tell them is, across all parties, particularly the government party, never seen people so exhausted, so stressed, people bursting into tears at meetings. Uh, Particularly the newer MPs who've come in recently. We've all been there, that first phase when you are desperately trying to honour every promise achieve everything you said you'd do keep your local association happy they've just selected you and and this is impossibly hard at this moment and is the support mechanism next we've heard a lot before about how mps were essentially sort of one person businesses in a way where do you go if you're if you're having a tough time as an mp where do you go i know there's no support it's the loneliest place to work uh, i've worked in industry all my life and uh, there was one brave attempt by alistair burt when he was in the whips office to actually run it a bit like an HR department and nurture people and reach out and, you know, shock horror, even uh, use people's skills from their own careers. But that all died. And I'm afraid one of the weird things that's going on at the moment is fear leads to anger. Anger is often a masking emotion for fear. And it also, loneliness leads to people joining gangs. I'm afraid you're seeing a lot of that in politics moment for fear of being lonely in a storm people are huddling in gangs and that's partly why we're not getting the compromise we need. The whips office, far from being the support mechanism, is actually the source of a lot of people's pressure and anger. You know, low majority politics, uh, minority government politics uh, has always been like this. Uh, Every vote counts, so there is no getting away with it, no could I just miss the vote next week 
the majority is 100 and it's awkward for you, the whips will let you go. Not this time. So everyone's under pressure. Every vote counts. And a lot of people feeling an impossible personal challenge to reconcile commitment to constituency, commitment to their local association, commitment to their own beliefs, commitment to the national mood. And in the end, the lack of leadership is creating a challenge that Parliament is struggling to deal with. And that's because Parliament isn't really designed to lead. It's designed to challenge the executive, throw up ideas and talent. Is there an end in sight this week, this month, this year? No, I think it's one of the depressing things. I mean, weirdly, I think, if, like me, you view Brexit as whatever else it might have been, a roar from an electorate feeling powerless and wanting to take back control, the weird truth is that Brexit has created a traumatic moment of powerlessness in Parliament. I cannot actually see how this ends, which is also terrifying. Normally in politics, one can see two, or if I was you, three options. But in this case, I can't see an outcome that's happy or sustainable. I'm now sitting just off uh, Central Lobby in the uh, heart of the House of Parliament, Philippa Whitford, SNP MP, former doctor and health spokeswoman. Still doctor. Still, do- still doctor, still doctor. Of course, you want your doctor, never, never not a doctor. Philippa, just talk me through what it's like at the moment to be an MP and some of the pressures your, your colleagues are under. And I think people are exhausted. I mean, this debate started on the 4th of December. Here we are, you know, into our fifth month of it without any resolution in sight. So, you know, I think people are tired. People saying to me they're not sleeping very well. They're often not getting to bed till late. Obviously, lost recess in February. They've lost this week. We're losing at least half of next week. So not getting much time with their families. We've had odd sitting days. So even having to move a lot of constituency work. The decisions are difficult. I mean, this is probably the most dangerous time for the UK almost since the Second World War. And, you know, anyone who looks from outside thinking that MPs are being flippant about this or not taking it seriously is very far off the mark. From a sort of medical perspective, I suppose, how bad is it people making big, important decisions while they're tired, fueled by junk food and coffee and stress and away from their family? I mean, it's not the best environment to be making big decisions in, is it? Well, absolutely not. I mean, you know, when I was a junior doctor, we had the ridiculous kind of 132-hour weeks and that kind of thing. And and it was eventually accepted that when you are a bit sleep-deprived and stressed, decision-making gets poorer and poorer and poorer. You know, if you look at the age group of MPs, many of them have other underlying conditions. People are certainly also feeling it mentally and, you know, there are lots of MPs receiving death threats. So, you know, you're seeing MPs being very upset and distressed and almost with a sense of being here trying to make a decision while your family is being threatened or your staff in your office are being threatened. I mean, that's just unacceptable and and certainly doesn't lead to any rational, calm uh, way forward. And do you think that the pressures from outside, the death threats, the emails, the online campaigns... Is that influencing how people vote? That when they're trying to weigh up, what's the right thing to do? What's the party line? What's, what's my personal view? What's right for my constituents? Is some of that being overridden by concern about pressure from outside? Well, I think it can do, depending on, on you know, if you like, how, how loud and how intimidating it is. But that actually is a very negative thing. If people are looking at the situation and clearly 
feel that action A is the right thing to do, but are trying to weigh up how much of a hammering they'll get from outside for taking action A, even though what they're thinking about is the jobs of their constituents or access to medicines or, or whatever it is. And, and that's a problem. And, you know, I also thought that actually it was quite inappropriate of the Prime Minister to bring MV3 on the 29th of March. Now, maybe she thought that that heightened uh, intimidation would get the answer she wanted. But, you know, being able to hear literally a throbbing mob outside and helicopters overhead, etc., that's not really the situation you want Parliament to be in when they're weighing up decisions. It's been sort of joked about how Brexit has made some people go crazy. The people who used to be quite steady eddies in politics of they're on the TV all the time, they're on Twitter constantly. Is, is there more to it than just some people feel very passionate about? Is, is it having a sort of serious impact on the mental health of some of your colleagues? Well, I think it's definitely having a, an impact on the mental health of people. There's no question. You know, your mental and physical health are bound up with what your day-to-day -day life is. It doesn't mean people are going crazy. I think that's yeah. kind of a, a, um, an uncomfortable word to use. But I would not say that the mental health generally in here is good. In a sense of endlessness, there was at least a point where we thought March 29th, Something was going to happen on March 29th. The sense that the end, the conclusion, some certainty is always just sort of slightly over the brow of the hill adds to that unease. Well, the problem is, you know, I mean, the Prime Minister herself has said things like, vote for my deal, let's put it behind us and move forward. In actual fact, having a longer extension would allow to step back from the cliff edge to actually say, is there a way forward here? Is there a compromise? And the problem is the Prime Minister is only reaching out to Jeremy Corbyn now because her deal failed. She said in a speech early on that she would consult across the House and consult across the UK, and she never did. Okay, so I'm in Portcullis House now with Ruth Smeath, Labour MP. Ruth, you were just telling me um, you had your first day off this year on last Saturday. I did. It was a very enjoyable day. I got to spend the day by the seaside with one of my best friends for her 50th birthday. It was meant to be five days away out of the country, but became 36 hours in Portsmouth. I'm taking it because <laughs> I got to see the sea, so all is good. <laughs> but your five-day bender was curtailed. Five-day bender became 36 hours. <laughs> I may have had a drink or two on my 36 hours, but um, yeah, that no, was worth. not quite five days <laughs> worth, but um, got to see the sea, got to have a glass or two. All was good. It was quite a nice way. I feel much more human now than I had before. But it was literally my first full day off, if you can include the fact that I started having to do media on Sunday, on Saturday night. But broadly speaking, I had at least 24 hours clear. You've got the sort of double whammy of misery for MPs. It's not only are you fighting the torrent of abuse that MPs get over Brexit, you're also basically fighting the good fight of anti-Semitism of the Labour Party. So how bad is it at the moment being Ruth Smeath MP? Wow. <laughs> um, it's going so frightfully well, don't you think? Look, it's a really, really tough period of time to be an elected politician, regardless of which party you represent and at what level you represent, whether it's people up for local elections this year or MPs or members of the House of Lords or MEPs who don't know if they're getting made redundant or not. So I think it's really tough for everybody and most importantly for our staff who are having to work through all of it. It's really crap for my staff. My staff are having to see more abuse every day, even more at the moment. They're on a blocktastic frenzy on Twitter, which they have changed the password so I can't see Twitter anymore. I'm working over 100 hours a week. I'm working seven days a week, as we should be because of what's going on down here. 
but I'm not sure it makes for the best environment or the most sane people. And yeah, we're eating a lot of chocolate to get through it. Just explain a bit what it's like on those late. The, they always seem to be very late at night. The votes when people are going. You know, you see friends and colleagues going in different directions through different voting lobbies, and people are. This is this is like weighing on people's shoulders heavily. What's it, what's the atmosphere like? Because it. It's so strange that these huge decisions are being made late at night by stressed, tired people stuffed together in quite hot wood-panelled corridors. What's it, what's it like when you're in there? Oh, it's really, really difficult because, you know, especially for someone like me with the Labour whip at the moment, I'm, I represent the third most Labour leave seat in the country. My constituents aren't moving at all. They're hardening in terms of no deal and how we should leave so when we're being whipped to support things that I am and my constituents are really uncomfortable with well I'm not voting with my party on several occasions for the first time ever on any issue so this is second referendum in particular second referendum in particular but I'm not in favour of the common market 2.0 I'm in favour of customs union there are times when I'm just simply not going through the lobby with my colleagues and it's really tough because we're all having to make individual decisions I don't like voting with Tories, I'm a Labour MP, so yeah, on occasion I found myself voting, and I did find myself voting with the Prime Minister, that is a weird uh, thing for someone like me to be doing. And desperately trying not to fall out with my friends because everyone's so passionate on these issues, but we represent very different areas and we have very different views. So when you've been here for 12 hours, and this place is not conducive to being here for 12 hours, so when you've been here for 12 hours, you're getting three or four hours sleep a night, and it's not woe be me, because I know how privileged I am to be here, but this is weighing on all of us because this is a leap into the unknown we don't know whether we're doing the best thing for the country or not we're all just trying to find our own way through it to balance the needs and wishes of our constituents as well as who we are and what we believe and who you know what promises we've personally made too and some colleagues sort of at the end of their tether we've you know we've heard of mps who've been in tears uh, andrew percy was talking about how he went off and took himself into a cupboard just to have sort of 20 minutes of i mean it is weighing on people isn't it it really is my office is my sanctuary and i'm not kidding about chocolate the um, the people in the mp's tea room which is basically our canteen told me that they've had to buy more chocolate because we've eaten we're eating our way through it so quickly because it's comfort food everyone's eating chips and jacket potatoes and chocolate because you know misery and a quick sugar hit because we're all spending so much time in the chamber or running away from the chamber that you know it's really really tough and even if you're not participating in the debates because there's so many amendments, so many motions to follow what's really going on and what we're doing and why we're doing it, you have to be in and around the chamber to follow what's going on. I haven't yet gone and hidden in a cupboard, but um, I, <laughs> give it a week and we'll see. What has been the low point for you? I found last week really difficult when the votes were so close. Um, I abstained on a lot of votes last week because I didn't want to vote for them. They go against the best interests of my constituents. But when it became clear that we could be for another tie, I ended up voting, not really wanting to vote. So that was really quite tough. Peter Kyle was one of my best friends in here and I disagree with him profoundly on the second referendum. So we just don't talk about it, especially on big pieces of work. You want to support your mates, you want to support your friends in the work that they're doing. And typically I would, and on this issue I can't. And is that affecting your friendship? It hasn't affected my friendship with him. Some people are falling out with each other. I'm desperately trying hard not to. There are some people, but then I have, you know, an extended 
shit list. So um, <laughs> uh, at the moment, for lots of different reasons, more to do with the state of the Labour Party than anything else. So, you know, trying not to fall out with everybody is quite challenging, especially when you're tired and we are, we're all tired. So um, we never had February recess. We were right not to, but we didn't have it. We haven't had, we're not having Easter recess. And the, the hardest thing, and it would be for anybody, is when you leave your house on a Monday morning and you don't know when you're going to see your bed again so there's a you know and I don't know when I'm going to get food shopping in and I don't know when I'm going to see my mum so I had to take my mum with me on Mother's Day to an event I was speaking at on anti-semitism in the Labour Party which is fun for her to listen to I mean that's not quite a pub lunch and a bunch of flowers is it no no it wasn't I bought her a spa day to make up for it for (laughs) at some point in the future where I'm allowed a day off but it was the only way that I was actually going to get to see my mum on Mother's Day was to take her with me to work and the weird thing is walking around in Parliament, it's a really weird atmosphere. Everyone, it's all a bit sort of fusty and tired and a bit sort of smelly and people just need to get away. But nobody really knows why we're here. There's nothing happening. We leave on Friday without a deal. That is the current state of play. But at the same time, we know that at some point the Prime Minister is going to come back and talk about a deal or her and Jeremy Corbyn are going to announce something together or, or something's going to happen this week. So it's a bit like um, it's the calm before the storm. We know the storm's coming. Well, we sort of hope the storm is coming. We hope. we hope that there is a storm of one sort of another. Well, if not the storm, then winter is coming, isn't it? So um, <laughs> something is coming. And um, whatever happens, there'll be another vote on her deal. There must be this week or a deal this week. So we don't know why we're here, but we know that at some point there will be an important reason for us to be here. Headed over to Norman Shaw South, where lots of MPs' offices are. I'm joined by Elliot Stratton and Tara O'Reilly, both uh, parliamentary staffers, working for MPs in uh, the House of Commons, trying to get a take of what it's like in the current weird atmosphere of Westminster at the moment and the stress that both MPs, but also the people who work for MPs, are under. Tara, you, what's it, what's it like at the moment in Westminster for people looking in from the outside? People are pretty stressed. It's pretty intense. I think at least in the last couple of weeks, um, everything that's going on on with Brexit has really brought a lot of you know, mental health issues to the forefront of people's minds because people are overwhelmed and are just really struggling with you know, all the chaos that's going on at the moment and it's actually taking a toll on um, people's health. And how's that sort of manifesting itself? People are increasingly irritable. <laughs> that goes for anyone and everyone who works in the house. People are um, increasingly stressed, not sleeping as much. You know, some of my friends are, you know, getting quite upset, whether that's going to the toilets to cry because, you know, they've answered another call to a death threat or just generally everyone's just on the edge. Is that your experience as well, Elliot? Yes. I mean, essentially everyone who works in Westminster or everyone who works for an MP was doing a stressful job before Brexit started. (laughs) And now it's sort of essentially entirely increase the workload um, and increase the amount of pressure that people are under. We know across the board, or we can see it, that, that Brexit's causing sort of a mental health crisis, even in the general public, and we're at the sharp end of that in many ways. And so, because I suppose people hear about, you know, an MP's had a death threat or big mailbag or, you know, stuff mm-hmm. said online or, you know, e- email inboxes full, but it's the research or the staffer who's you know the first receiving end of all of that yeah if someone calls in a death threat to an mp they don't get through to their mp they will be talking to a caseworker or a staffer often in many cases perhaps the most junior person in the office because answering the phone is something that takes up a lot of time they're the person who has to listen to the angry it may not be even be a constituent the angry person who 
they have to deal with that vitriol and that's that's something that would have an impact on anyone but especially in this atmosphere where everything's ramped up so much more it can be it can be much worse people working for mps often aren't paid a huge amount of money they're also quite often quite young are you given any advice or training on how to deal with somebody phoning up with a death threat about brexit or, or anything else there's not much of it i mean i've worked in parliament for two and a half years and i don't think i've ever had any kind of you know forced training on how to deal with abuse or or angry people to the, to the level that we're seeing now i think there are things that are offered a lot of it you learn from experience. I think one of the things that's got to be key is that because MPs get to run their own offices in their own way, the, the variance between different offices can be huge. One MP sort of might provide a very good supportive atmosphere. They might have a good staff team that sort of build around each other and can do that. And then other people, um, you know, that might not exist at all. We, we know from the, the sort of things that have come out over the past couple of years about bullying, harassment, all of that kind of stuff that it can just be very, very different. Is your impression that, because obviously there's been a lot of talk about the way that some MPs, not all, but the way that some MPs treat their staff, in this increasingly pressured, stressful, tired, exhausted atmosphere, is that more of a problem? Weirdly, I haven't heard much of it. Like, from at least from my experience, like, my boss has been really supportive and, you know, checks in, makes sure I'm taking leave and toil and, and that kind of thing. But actually, I think... We're all kind of looking out for each other a bit more than usual, which can only be a good thing. And what about Brexit? Because obviously Brexit is divided families and, you know, work colleagues and all of that. I mean, researchers and, you know, there's obviously a party political element to it, but also researchers get on and they go to the what used to be sports and social, but now the Woolsack. And has Brexit put a pressure on that sort of comradeship between uh, researchers? WhatsApp groups are much more lively um, and uh, there's a lot more gift sharing and uh, just ranting to each other about, you know, the latest that's gone on in the chamber or the latest call someone's had to take. I think I think as well, people are drinking a little bit more as well um, because, yeah, it is just so stressful that actually um, I find myself speaking more to people in the Westminster bubble because if anyone's going to understand the stress of you know working here at the moment during Brexit it is you know people sitting opposite me in the office or people just down the corridor more so than loved ones at home because it is such a strange place to work anyway but with the added pressure and intensity and madness of everything that's going on at the moment Westminster has just become my entire life. Yeah, you and me both. Um, and and there's nothing worse, is there, than you go home from work or at the weekend when you're trying to get away from it. And the first thing that happens is you meet up with a mate or a family member and they go, oh, what's going to happen with Brexit then? And you just want to scream. I've just taken the standard line, which is that no one knows what's going to happen. We know about as much as anybody else knows at this point. And obviously that's ridiculous because we're in the centre of it and you'd think there should be some sort of privileged idea of knowledge or something, some insight you just have to sort of dismiss it. I try as much as possible for my own mental health to just disengage with this stuff as soon as I'm out of work. There is no point. You can't be on top of all of it at once. It's always changing and somehow always staying the same. You just have to try and protect yourself a little bit. Um, I've come to the point where if family asks me, um, you know, over dinner, what's going on with Brexit, I refuse to speak about it now. Like, I'm that stubborn person who will just sit there in silence and just say, nope, like, not going to happen. If I meet new people, if I go to a party and someone asks me what I do, I've gotten to the point where I lie and I don't say I work in Westminster and I make something up like, oh, you know, I work in a London zoo or some, something where people are just not going <laughs> to ask me about politics because I just, I just can't do it. 
Don't they then start asking you loads of detailed questions about the feeding patterns of penguins or something? Yeah, they do, but I haven't quite worked my way out of that bit yet. <laughs> uh, and just finally, um, traditionally working for an MP has is, is been like the first rung on the ladder of people who've got political aspirations and want to become MPs as well. Have either of you ever wanted to become an MP? And it has what's happened over recent months affected that opinion having watched an mp do it properly i have zero zero (laughs) desire to do it it's a full-time job we know that people outside of this bubble just do not have that impression of how much work an mp properly does if they're actually engaged i would never want to do it to submit yourself to that much work and then have everyone hate you anyway it's just not worth it I totally agree. I love being magic behind the scenes. And that is, you know, I love working in politics and working for politicians and with them. But God, do I love going home at the end of the day and not having to answer to anyone else? Like, I just, I'm not willing to give that up. Tara, Elliot, thank you very much. Okay, so what can be done to help MPs? In a moment, I'll speak to the two MPs who run the all-party parliamentary group for mindfulness about how long baths and enjoying the small things in life can help you get through it all. If you think the only thing to do is laugh, then why not come to my one-man show, This Is Not Normal, at the Boomsley Theatre on May the 29th. For tickets, go to mytimesplus.co.uk. We'll be back after this short break. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So I'm now in the Commons office of Tim Launton, Conservative MP, Chris Ruin, Labour MP. You're both quite heavily involved in all-party parliamentary group for mindfulness. You're the co-chairs. Okay, so let's talk about mindfulness then, because... It does seem to have gone through a sort of transition from a sort of slightly airy-fairy idea that people with too much time on their hands did to something that people with busy jobs and it's become a, a sort of a tool of people uh, trying to cope with stressful situations. So just explain to people if, if they don't know, what is mindfulness? Well, mindfulness is uh, living or trying to live in the present moment. Many people, I think that Harvard University did an experiment that 47% of people live their lives not in the moment. 
either drawn back to the past or projecting to the future, and they're missing everything that's before them, whether it's a difficult issue, whether it's a sunset or your child. So it's about using the breath as an anchor to bring you back time and time and time again when you find yourself in the past or the future to the present moment and all that is unfolding before you. How, do, how does this work then with the so the all party parliamentary group has brought in mindfulness sessions, lessons, courses into Parliament, which has had a huge uptake. We introduced the first lessons in January 2013 with the help of Professor Lord Richard Layard and Professor Mark uh, from the LSE and Professor Mark Williams and Chris Cullen from Oxford University. So these are top flight teachers amongst the best teachers in the world. They've been coming down to Parliament now for virtually every Tuesday for the past six years, delivering mindfulness to the staff, to MPs who have already been on a course and two MPs on the on a new course and it's been fantastic. And it's inundated, you're sort of oversubscribed. The staff courses are well oversubscribed. We've currently got 100 uh, MP staff who are waiting for training. That's a two years waiting list. MPs themselves, are, as I say, 240, uh, sorry, MPs and peers, 240 have had training over the past uh, six years. And Tim, you famously do your mindfulness in the bath. You, you, were, you were mocked at the time when you, were, when you said you, you had an hour-long bath in the morning. Now, there must be some days when you just feel like staying in there all day, just topping up the hot water. I had a longer one this morning, I, I confess. <laughs> and they have been getting longer and longer, you know. Can I face the world? What's going to happen? Is there going to be a, a vote? Are we coming out of Brexit? What on earth am I going to say to the 300 people who have just emailed me overnight on, uh, uh, on Brexit? It was a, a sort of flippant comment, which, um, thanks to the Times, made the front page. And then I got all the, all the extra abuse on the back of that. Spent all my time in the bathroom than getting on my job. So that meant I had more mental stress problems. So I had to do more mindfulness, which meant longer baths. How, how long are you up to now? How long is a long one now? Just under an hour in the bath. But I work in the bath as, uh, as well. And the great thing, when I was a, a minister, my office always knew that I'd done my um, prep properly because the papers in my red box were always rather crinkled from the steam <laughs> in, the, in the bath. But importantly, taking time out so you can close the door, there's nobody else to distract you, doing some breathing exercises and just preparing for the day ahead. And it's that little oasis of calm that gives you some stability and some preparation to think, right, how am I going to approach today and how am I going to get the best out of today? I just happen to do it in my bath between six o'clock morning and seven o'clock in the morning whilst other people might still be um, asleep. Presumably there's a, there's a safety risk of having your phone in the bath. So is this without electronic devices? I never take electronic <laughs> devices anywhere near my bath. But in the, in the current climate, actually stepping away from your phone and the constant buzz of emails and social media abuse and all of that stuff, time away from your phone seems even more critical. One of my friend's uh, wives... Oh, sorry, he's only got one wife. <laughs> my friend... <laughs> my that would be stressful. My, my friend's wife, my friend who's an MP's wife, described the iPad as the third person in their relationship. It really does have an hypnotic effect on many MPs. Tim, do you think it would have been good if the Prime Minister had taken one step back rather than making that speech that she did a couple of weeks ago where she, she tried to put all the blame back on Parliament and MPs and saying to the public, you know, I'm frustrated, you're frustrated, it's all those MPs' fault. That, that added to an already pretty unpleasant atmosphere, didn't it? It wasn't helpful. I was actually with her directly before she made that speech. She invited a group of us in to talk through what was happening. We had a reasonable um, discussion. She gave absolutely no inkling that she was just about to then go off, get in front of the, the cameras and give her rendition of uh, Life of Brian. You know, you're not the mother of parliaments, you're a very naughty boy <laughs> sort of uh, version, which wasn't helpful. And it completely was counterproductive as it was seen by it. I mean, as Chris, as Chris says, the thing about mindfulness, it's literally anchoring your feet on the uh, on the floor 
and just stepping aside. I don't think she's been on a mindfulness course um, uh, yet, but I think... Have you offered? I think we could find a, an emergency place <laughs> for her to go on it. Yeah. And if you knew it was going to be like this, would you be an MP now? That's a big question. <laughs> We've got to solve it. So it's no good just trying to back out of it. And if we weren't here, somebody has to uh, has to solve it. This is the most challenging thing I have ever had to deal with. And you've got the, you know, the Iraq war and you've got a whole load of ethical issues you've had to vote on. This is much bigger and has gone on a lot, lot longer. And I got it relatively easy. I voted for and campaigned for uh, Brexit. My constituency voted for Brexit. The country voted for Brexit. So for me, it's a no-brainer. But we've got colleagues who adamantly voted uh, a campaign for Remain in high Brexit voting constituencies and then they're out of sync with what their front bench is saying on either uh, side. They've they've got more of a problem. We've just got to get on and complete it and so we can all get back to the stuff that we really got elected for in Parliament in the first place that actually makes a difference to people's lives, including my private members bill which went through the other day, which I've had loads and loads of uh, nice responses about, which is doing civil partnerships and things like that. A minor thing, but a thing that actually makes a big difference to a lot of people's daily daily lives. And it reminds us that there are things beyond Brexit out there that people are concerned with. So you've achieved something that Theresa May hasn't. You've got something through Parliament. I got my bill through <laughs> Parliament. Both houses of Parliament. Absolutely. What about you, Chris? If you knew what you knew now, would you become an MP? Well, I'm in a rather unique position in that I was in for 18 years. I was uh, out for, for, for two years. And thanks to Theresa May having the second election and breaking her word to the nation, I'm back in through the back door. And you can't have an up without a down. We're on a down at the moment. It's a two-year down. But there will be light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I take, uh, and again, it's under the mindfulness tool that we use from our eight-week course, is, is, is perspective, to, to, to be grateful for the little things in life. Uh, and I am. This morning, we got a bunch of flowers in uh, f- from a constituent who, who, who we've helped over the, over the week. And it's all those tiny acts of kindness done by me and done unto me. That's it, that I gain great solace for in these dark hours. Okay, just finally then, when you're doing your mindfulness, you take a deep breath, try and step away from it all. Do you think that we will be any clearer as to what's going on by the end of this week? I don't know. And that's the problem. <laughs> we yeah. don't know. We don't know what we're going to be debating, voting on over the next few days. We don't know what she's going to come back from Europe with. We don't know if the talks with Corbyn are coming up with anything. There are just so many imponderables. There's so many, so many different things that can trip us up and have tripped us up along the way. I don't want to make any predictions. Me neither. Uh, Tim Lawson, Chris Wynn, thank you very much. So there you have it. If you thought Brexit looked miserable from the outside, it's no better inside this crumbling palace either. Do subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss tomorrow's episode in which we'll ask, is the Tory party finished? For now, my thanks to all my guests. From me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.